tonight's Leash Necklace, hosted so generously by Eric and Haley Stern. Thank you so much. And thank you, Rabbi Saidi, for coming and teaching us the first of five monthly classes. This year, Rabbi Saidi is going to be teaching lower school and early childhood parents, and others are welcome. Um, tonight, we have a class in December, God willing, in February, March, and May. So we hope to see you guys at the next class. Lishma is a board of ed initiative that provides learning opportunities for students, alum, parents, the wider Flatbush community. And we're happy and proud to, to do this work. We think it's very important for our children to see us learning and for us to be encouraging our, our children to learn. And we thank you all for coming out. Enjoy, and we hope to provide many more learning opportunities for you this year. Thank you, thank you. I uh, just wanted to, uh, how are you? It's really great to see people live again. And it's uh, really special to be here, especially on tonight. I know that tonight was also a Chanukah tonight. Um, no better a month to celebrate Chanukah. Very, very special. It should be with a tremendous amount of bracha, bad sacha. This is the first of Bezrat Hashem. Many nights of Torah learning in your home. You should only see lots of mazel. So, okay, so uh, this is a little bit of a different type of learning. A little bit of a different type of learning than we usually do. Um, I'm used to preparing uh, very text-based classes. You can see I had no choice. I still had to put text in here. Uh, but it's a little bit of a different type of learning. Uh, one that uh, usually I do on my own, but I don't think I've, I couldn't. I was telling Amy and Sarah when we thought of this, I don't think I've ever ventured into the area of really diving into Midot on a sheer level. And I tried to think about why that is. Um, and I think that there's a few reasons for that. One is it's very different. When you're teaching parashah, when you're teaching text, uh, it's a very intellectual process, right? I could teach sukim, I could teach uh, text. Midot is a whole other ballgame. Midot touches every part of us. It's a, it's a very vulnerable place. It's a very powerful place. Um, and so I thought it was actually a very unique idea for us to begin to talk about Midot, both on the intellectual level, but also really just opening it up. Uh, with that, it's a, it's a you know, disclaimer. Uh, we're learning together here. This isn't a sure, it's not one way, and it certainly is not testimony that anything that I'm saying is not a, a huge challenge that we all deal with every day, myself included. Uh, so please don't hesitate to uh, interrupt, ask questions, uh, and get some clarification. Midot, in general, we refer to it as avodat ha-midot. Right? That's, a, that's the term, avodat. And that's really uh, the key. It's avodat. It's hard work. Uh, midot are not just, again, like learning psukim, it's not a skill, it's not taking a shoresh and, and opening it up, um, it's vulnerable. Uh, we're talking about how to become better people. In fact, when the Torah wants to tell us the value of Midot in Prekei Avot, you'll see in source number one, it talks to us about the difference between Abraham Avinu and Bil'am Arasha. Right? It tells you the range of your life, the breadth of what's in front of you, is you could be... Abraham Avinu, and you could be Bilam Arasha. 
And what's the difference? Kol mishayesh biyadosh roshad varim alalam itamidav shalom avin. If you have these three things, you are one of the students of Abraham Avinu. If you have these other three things, you are like Bilam Arasha. And what does it go on to enumerate? Three Midot. Nefesh Ruach Nimucha. Who are you as a person? How are you going to be defined as a person? It's your Midot. The difference between Abraham and Bilam was not their intellectual capacity. They both had tremendous intellectual capacity. It wasn't even a Nebuaz, you know? The rabbis teach us that Bil'am had similar level nevu'ah to the Gedolim. The difference between them was their midot. That's what differentiates us. That's what defines the range of which we exist. In source number two, you'll see the famous of Chaim Vital, the student of the Ariya Kadosh, who asks and points out an important point about midot. We don't have midot in the Tariyag Mitzvot. In the 613 Mitzvot, there's no such thing as midot. It doesn't say, uh, be an anat, be a humble person. Right? That doesn't exist anywhere in the Midot. Why not? They're so important. If you hear rabbis are going to tell me that Midot are the most important thing, then how can you not list it in the 613 mitzvot? And he says, in source number two, the Midot are not enumerated in the 613 mitzvot. The Omnam Henachanot Ikariot The Midot are the fertile ground on which our mitzvot can be built upon. We can't really understand mitzvot, we can't even begin to perform mitzvot, we can't even get into Torah learning if you haven't built midot. If you're not a person that's invested in yourself, in your character, in your values. And the challenges that you face, and everybody has their internal struggles, if that's not your ikar, mitzvot are secondary. To the extent that he finishes off, a bad midah is much, much, much worse than any avera you could perform. You could break Shabbat, you could break Kashrut, you could break Tarat HaMishpach, you do all those things and they don't even come close, says Reb Chaim Vital, to a bad midah. And the Rabbeinu Yonah expands on this, he even adds the Rabbeinu Yonah in source number three. We all know the famous line, especially if you're a Papa Shalom, I'm sure you saw it in every room on the wall. Right? Derech Eretz, Kadmala Torah. What does that mean, Derech Eretz, Kadmala Torah? Says Rabbeinu Yonah, you can't expect that Torah is going to penetrate your heart if you haven't started with Derech Eretz. Derech Eretz comes first. Not, oh, I have two things in front of me. One is Derech Eretz, one is Torah, and this one's first. Derech Eretz is the permission to play. Mitzvot will not penetrate. You'll do all them to get tzedakah. You'll do all these things. They're all actions. They're external. The midot are, once again, they're the roots. And so I finish this introduction with the next source, the Netivot Shalom, the Slanavar Rebbe. says so beautifully. And the next source, if you turn the page, with Ashvil, Lama HaMidot, and Sholesh Redvekut. Why are the Midot? Why is it that the Midot are really the roots? Why are they everything? Why does everybody agree that everything begins with a Midot? Skip to the second paragraph. Actually, sorry, the second line. You think of the Mashal of a tree. The tree has many beautiful branches. It has leaves. 
and it has roots. The mitzvot are the beautiful branches, the, the, the leaves. You do many more mitzvot, it gets more beautiful. They're external, they're what we see at face value. When we look at the tree, we see a person's mitzvot, we see their actions. But what are those actions representative of? What's the hidden work that a person puts into those actions? The roots. And the stronger that the roots are, the stronger that the midot are, then comes the actions. But then he adds so beautifully. If something happens, if one of the branches is bad, if the leaves are, are dry, what happens? What do you have to do? You bring a gardener and you cut the branch. Right? If, the, if some of the mitzvot I'm not doing perfectly, maybe I'm not doing them in the most ideal fashion. So what do I do? I gotta fix that mitzvah. It's something that we can do. But if there's a bad midah, if the roots are bad of the tree, what do you have to do? You have to uproot the whole tree. So says the Netivet Shalom, that is the Avodat Hamidot. The Avodat Hamidot, you have to look at it as the roots of a tree. If I have a fault in my roots, that is so much more essential, it's so much more important. It's of such greater value to who I am as a person than any mitzvah I could think of. And so with that, I think it's the most important thing. The most important thing we could do as parents. Ultimately, our biggest responsibility as parents is to raise children. When we say raise children, again, we're not talking about teaching them shorashim and vocabulary words and doing their homework. Those are all very important things. Ultimately, our biggest responsibility is to raise human beings. I ask this on almost every tour that comes through our building, which I know that some of the people in this room I can, I can remember taking the tour. But I was at task. What are you looking for? What are you looking for as a parent? We have a portrait of a graduate at the Yeshiva of Flatbush. But what's yours? You also have a portrait of a graduate. Every one of us in our homes has some vision for what we're hoping to see in our children when they turn finishing 12th, excuse me, finishing 12th grade, college, and so on. What's the vision? Time and time again, I hear two things. I just shared this with Eric on Friday. I don't even know where Eric is, but he's still validating. The there's two things, two things that I always hear from parents. Number one, midot. I want to look across the street. I want to see a baal chesed, a baalat chesed. I want to see a good person, first and foremost. Nobody told me I want them to be able to translate for me. I want them to be able to do an algorithm for me. Nobody says that. Not that we don't think those things are important, but when you think about your child and your ultimate responsibility as a parent, you want to know you raised a moral, ethical, kind, righteous person. Those are the first things you think of. The second thing, on a textual basis, I always ask, and when they go to college, what are you hoping their religious connection is? Nine out of ten times, people talk to me about tefillah. That's the first thing. Yes, when I ask myself, what's the success of Yeshiva Klapish alone? I would love to be able to say, they're sitting in college, and every night, they're opening up a Gemara, and a Rashi, and a Tosfot, and a Ritzvah, and a Ran. It's beautiful. It's a great vision. It's beautiful. But, but be, but be real for a second. What are you really hoping? I'm really, really hoping. I'm really going to find our success. Are they davening? Are they praying? Are they connected? When they wake up in the morning, are they running to class and say, I can't start my day without talking to Hashem? That's the first thing I want to know. And yet, midot and tefillah are the only things we don't have in an elementary school schedule, right? We have chumash, we have navi, we have mishnah, all those things. I'm just preparing you for the reform of the schedule. <laughs> right? But these are very important things. These are the things we want to teach. So midot are really at the core. Our rabbis teach us, going far back, there's a machlok as to how far back this Nisara goes, but our rabbis teach us that every month in the Jewish calendar has an associated 
letter, animal, flag, midah as well. There's certain associated midot. And the letter, for example, we just finished Cheshvan, right? We just finished Cheshvan. The letter for the month of Cheshvan was the Ot Nun. What is the Ot Nun? We're supposed to learn. We're supposed to be able to dive a little bit into the month of Nun. The Gemara tells us Nun Hanefila. Nun stands for Lipol, Nefila. Cheshvan is the month that we feel a little bit of a descent. Why is it a descent? We just had Tishrei. Tishrei, you had Rosh Hashanah, you had Asalatim Mitshuva, you had Yom Kippur, you had Sukkot, you had Roshan Arabash, Mini Yatzer, Tzimchatai. I'm giving you a little PTSD, right? There, there's a lot. There's a lot that happens in Tishrei. Suddenly we get to Cheshvan, and why do we call it Mal Cheshvan? Where's the Meriut? Where's the bitterness of Cheshvan? Suddenly there's nothing. I'm supposed to land. Right? It's the Nun, Hanefila. If you even see, by the way, I, I put in, I think I put in the source, yes, the source of Gemara, Masechet Rachot. We asked the famous question, Ashrei is an acrostic, right? Aleph, Bet, Gimel. And where's the Nun? There's no Nun. Why? The Gemara, Masechet Rachot tells us. Because the Nun is the Nun HaNefila. The Nun is, it's a little bit negative. The Nun is the Nun HaNefila, so we skip the Nun. Where do we go? Straight to the Ot Samech, which is the Ot of the month of Kislev, which we just started on Friday. The Ot Samech. What does the word Samech mean? That Shoresh Samech is Lismoch. How's it Lismoch? Smoch alay. You know a little bit of Israeli slang? Rely on me. Bitachon. That's the Midah of the month. Bitachon. It comes from the word Samech, Lismoch. And that is the word, the idea, the value, the Midah of this month of Kislev is Bitachon. What does it mean to rely on Hashem? Not a simple thing. The idea of relying on, on Hashem. There's a, a famous Rav, I'm sure many of us heard the name, he was the Rav Arashi of the Haredi movement up to the 1950s, known as the Chazon Ish. The Chazon Ish is famous for having a, a position on what does it mean, Bitachon? Can I, okay, so I'm not going to work. Hashem is going to provide. Hashem is going to care for me. What does that mean? What, what can I say? I'm, I'm going to go out in a t shirt. In 20 degree weather, Hashem provides, Hashem's going to take care of him, He's going to protect me. What is Bitachon? He says, oh, that's false. Not everybody agrees. He has people contended with him. Or if Cook agreed. If Cook agreed, and he said, no, that's not Bitachon. Bitachon comes in two very specific ways. The first one is Torah u Mitzvot. What does that mean, Torah u Mitzvot? Torah is a challenge. It's a challenge. It's not easy to keep the Mitzvot. It's not easy just because they're sometimes hard to keep and to learn and to study. They don't always jive with the way that we see the world. Right? It's not easy. We just learned, I'm just teaching the students this week about Shemitah. Not easy. You're telling me I can't work for my family, I have no sustenance, I'm supposed to just rely on Hashem? The Torah says so. What do you mean the Torah says so? I have to provide for my family. Not this year, not next year. No, Hashem's just going to take care. What does that mean? No, when it comes to the Torah, Hashem, if Hashem say it, smocharav, rely on him. That's bitachon. Shabbat, it's not easy. I see the numbers, they're giving me spreadsheets. I see the bottom line. Saturday is a big day. There's a lot of sales on Saturday. The stores are open. You think it's easy to shut the store down? It's not easy. Shabbat, trust Hashem. He's telling you it's going to work out. He's telling you it's going to be better for you. Habotach b'Hashem chesed yisovevenu. 
Right? You can have chesed all around you. Hashem is melbitz chesed. You got to call it Torah. If it's Torah and mitzvot, you have to trust. It's not easy. There's a famous politician in Israel who just told a powerful story the other day. Yeah, he's contending with this. A Bachor Yeshiva is a religious guy. He had information on the number one person who was up against him to get into Knesset. He had the Lashon Hara in his hand. He had the Lashon Hara. But the problem was, it wasn't relevant to the, to the political dilemma everybody was facing. He just had pure Lashon Hara. He could win. All he has to do is release it. I win. I'm done. I'm finished. You know how easy it is to just say, release the information. I'll win. But it's Lashon Hara. It has no relevance. It's not shayach. I say this to my kids every day. I'm tested this every day on the belt. Right? How many little things? What? So you're going to let him get in front of you. Big deal. What's going on? You're going to be late to work. What are you gonna, if you let everybody in, when are you ever going to get anywhere? You know, in Israel, they have a, a slang term. I really don't like it. But it's used often. You ever hear the term fire? You know that? I see a fire. Right? It's like, uh, don't be, uh, I hate to say it, like, you're a little bit of a loser. You know, like, come on, you're letting, you're letting people, you're going to let everybody cut you in line, you're never going to get the falafel. Right? Like, it doesn't happen, though. Don't be a flyer. Don't, don't be a pushover. It's a better term. Right? But that's chesed. Okay, so let him. He thinks he's beating me. He thinks he caught me in line. He thinks, okay, I know. It's a midah. I'm working on myself, too. He thinks he's getting ahead. I don't get, my, my concern is not him. My concern is me. So let him get in, big deal, another, another second and a half. The day that a second and a half, I'm so peed in my day that I don't waste a second and a half, then maybe I should be worried about that. Right? It's all around us, all day, all day, the struggle. Follow Torah mitzvot. If I follow Torah mitzvot, does it work? It's not the language we speak in this world. That's not the way the world works. Let me tell you how the world works. This is how the world works. No, no, no. With all due respect, the Torah is going to tell me how the world works. I'll follow the Torah, I'm going to have bitachon v'ashem. This also appears when we face challenges in life. Unexpected ones. I'm not talking about when we're being calculated and measured. We made good decisions. We did everything in, in front of us. But we face a challenge, a nefilah. The reason why the Samach comes after the noon. Often after a nefilah, when we're in a moment, a tough decision, we've got a fork in the road. That's when our bitachon v'ashem is tested. Right then, what is the next letter in Rashi? You can tell me what it is in Rashi. Ashrei, Somech, Hashem, Rechol, Anoflim. Somech, Hashem, Rechol, Anoflim. We skip the noon. Why? Because right after the Nefilah of the noon, you have the Bitachon Ba'ashem. Bitachon Ba'ashem comes from the Nefilah. Because when I'm at the Nefilah, suddenly I remember who's around me and who's running things. By the way, if you think about it, Samech, what is it? How do you define it? A samech. It's a sibu, as the rabbis call it, sibu sagu. Sibu sagu, it's a closed circle. If you look inside, by the way, just I think this is so fascinating how the rabbis are always so in tune with the Torah Shabikhtah. What are the first two samechs in the Torah? I asked my at Mishmar in middle school this Thursday, I asked my group. There were a bunch of them are in Chidona Tanakh, so I could get away with asking such questions. So what are the first two samechs? Oh, I drove the nuts. <laughs> what are the first two the nuts? If you look in your source sheet, you'll see Bereshit, Perek Ber Pasuk It describes the Nahal in Gan Eden, and it says the first one 
is Shem Ha'echad Pishon Hu Hasoveb Et Kol Ha'aretz. It's referring to the, the river in Gan that's Soveb that circles the whole land. And then the second one is talking about when he does, when he's making Chaba, when he takes the Tzela out, and says, Vayisgol Vasal Tachtene. He closed Vasal, he closed the stitches. So we see Sabuv, Sagul. Sabuv, so the two first Samechs describe the exact Kedusha of the letter Samech. It is a Sivuv that is Sagul. It's a closed circle. What does that mean? What's the depth of that? That is Bitachon. When I understand that I am surrounded, that Hashem is surrounding me, that everything around me is running from Him, when I understand the more that that's a Sivuv, Sagul, the more that that's closed around me, then my Bitachon gets stronger. And the more that I can rely the more confidence I have to move forward in life, to understand where I'm going, to understand who's giving me that koach. Right? It's, it's in this week's parasha. The Torah gives me that koach. Who, who taught us that this week? Rivka. Should have put it in the source sheet. Rivka. Right? So she says to her son Yaakov, he says, Ima, what are you telling me to do? You want me to go to Abba right now? You're going to tell me to ask him to lie to my Abba? What's going to happen? Maybe he's not going to give me bracha. Maybe he's going to give me kelala. Maybe he's going to curse me instead. That's the way the world works. What does she say to him? What does she say back to her son? Remember the three words? Don't worry, I got this. I'll take your curse. How do you think that made him feel? You think, oh, okay, okay, I'm happy. You're going to take the curse. That doesn't, no. Uncle there says, very important. What you don't know that I know is there was a prophecy, remember? <clears throat> Rivka got a prophecy. Remember, she went to Hashem, she said, who are these two babies in my womb? Something's going crazy here. It's not normal. You have to tell me what's going on here. And he told her, the Rabbi Avotel, you have two nations. Nobody else knows that. She heard that straight from Hashem. She says, don't, don't worry. I have Nebuah. I have Hashem. I have Torah. I know the world doesn't work this way. But I have Nebuah. How did the Hashmonaim have the Azut to stand up and say, oh, we're able, we're going to take on a whole nation. Where do you get that kind of koach from? All the rabbis point out, there's two nebuot, Zechariah and Daniel, that tell us the Chashmonaim. They weren't nebuot, the Chashmonaim. They read Tanakh. They read Tanakh. They know they're supposed to win. That gives you koach. When you know that Hashem is running things, the more you rely upon Him, it gives you koach to continue. It gives you the koach to understand who's running the show. But as we said, it's not easy. And sometimes, I think the biggest challenge we face is in the day-to-day. I heard a, a wonderful story, if you've ever heard of Rav Ari Levine, it's a Vika Yerushalayim. You ever hear, the, there's an English book, Exotic in Our Time? If you haven't, if you haven't heard of Rav Ari Levine, like, there's one thing I can tell you, just go read. Every story you're gonna read about him is gonna blow you away. But he was uh, the tzaddik in Yerushalayim for uh, a long time, a very long time, many years. And everybody, everybody saw him as the tzaddik. And there's a story of his that during World War I in Yerushalayim, times were really, really bad. We actually don't, the time period we don't talk about historically enough, but it was really bad. The Turks treated the Jews in just the absolute worst way you could imagine. There was no food, there was a famine, there was no money, there were no jobs, they weren't paying them. To the point where we're even going to have witnesses that talk about babies that were mamash dying. Mamash dying, like they're, they're, there was no food. It was such a bad time in Yerushalayim that people didn't know what to do with themselves. And there was one wealthy gvir. There was one wealthy gvir in Yerushalayim who still had money. And people who were really bishat mitzukah, at the bottom, they would turn to him for a loan. 
and uh, when they went to him for a loan, they would have to bring a mashkot, a collateral. And so people would bring different things, and he would lend them money. And Lo Aleinu, Rabbi Levine reached the point where he had nothing left. He couldn't provide for his family. He said, okay, it's time for me too to go to this Kavir and borrow some money from my family. He didn't have what to give, but he had the one valuable thing he had, he had very ancient sparring, very ancient sparring that were of value. So he brought his most precious one of them that had the greatest son. He said, I'm going to bring this to the Mashkon. He went to the Kavir, and he presented him with this. He said, listen, times are really tough, and uh, what can I do? I really need in my family. This is the value of this book. Do you think you could lend me some money as well? And he looked at him, and he said, um, he said, no. He said, I can't do it. He said, what do you mean? He said, I can't loan. He said, you, you loaned this, my neighbor, my, the guy down the street. Like, you're, you're loaning. What, what, what are my differences? You're at Sadiq. He says, all these guys, they're not, they're not Sadiqim. If I don't loan my neighbors, if I don't loan the guys in Shul, they're going to judge me. They're not going to talk to me. They're not going to treat me well. I'm going to be excommunicated. I have to give them. Just this famous, like, you're at Sadiq. You're going to treat me well no matter what I do. Right? So I can't loan you. I don't have the money to loan you. Father Bean was destroyed. The time, couldn't understand. He went home like the worst ever. And he walked into his room and he turned up to Shai and said, This? He's like, I'm trying my best to be at Sadiq. I'm trying my best to live my life in a righteous and ethical way. And this is what I, my payment is. And uh, he says, Then the, the rabbits had walked in and heard it. And she looked at him and she said, How dare you speak such words? That's your bitachon. That's, your, that's how we're talking about being a tzaddik because some man, he's going to control your whole life's philosophy. Where's your bitachon bashem? And he right away did shuvah. He said, The wife woke him up from where he was. The, the, the end of the story is a week later, the postman came and, and there was a letter for him from America, from an uncle in America, and he said, I heard how tough times are. In America, and there was a sum of money in there for It's nice, but, but the Ikar. By the way, there's a message in there too. Husbands could sometimes lose that battle. The Eshet Chayel knows how to step in and say, hey, remember, we have Ekronot, we have values here. It's real. This is not like a Shlom Baitak. This is very real stuff. That's what we've had this past Shabbat. Time and time again. That there's a value. There's a balance. We, have to play. we could lose ourselves sometimes. We need it. We have to provide. We have the family. What do we know? There's, there's competing values. There's priorities. I have to do this. I have, this is the way the world works. We forget sometimes. But there's a value. There's a value that we have. That this is our simchut. This is how we're so mech Hashem. You'll see that the word kislev in Tanakh also speaks to this. What does the word kislev mean? If you look in the last two sources on the sheet, it says in Sefer Mishlech, Ki Hashem Yevechislecha. What is chislecha? Hashem is your trust. He is what you rely upon. In some things, I have kisli. I treated gold like it was my anchor. The gold was what I put my reliance on. I put it on material things, and that's why I had it. The word kislev says, it also means to rely upon. Right? That was the story of the Hashanahim. Another woman who started a revolt, the Yudit, right? When the men weren't able to wake up out of their slumber, they couldn't understand what's happening. You're going to let the women of Am Yisrael be disgraced? You're going to let them 
be treated like this by the women? Where are you guys? She had to wake them up. She had to take herself and begin the war herself for them to wake up to see what bitachon ba'ashem really means. The more that you understand that, the more that you can connect that, the more that you elevate the, not just your family, not just the community, but all of Am Yisrael. That's where Kislev comes in. The whole concept of Kislev is understanding who am I really leaning on? Who am I really empowered by? And with this I'll end. David HaMelech in Tehillim says, Right? The Chesed of Hashem is a big source for us for how we can find the reliance. Right? The Chesed of Hashem, what does that mean, the Chesed of Hashem? We say, Noten Lechem Lechol Basar. What does that mean, Noten Lechem Lechol Basar? What does that mean? What is Hashem doing? Providing. Provides for what? For whom? Everyone. Everyone? Basar. For everything. Think about the billions upon billions of creatures, of creations in this world. Every single one is cared for. Every single living creation in this world is cared for. That's chesed. Does Hashem get anything out of that? Is there any benefit to him? Are there profit margins that he's getting from any of that? Just the opposite. Maybe he's losing, if anything. What is he doing? It's called chesed. There's endless chesed happening every single moment. So sometimes, it's hard to see. Sometimes, even though we see it all around us, every day, all day, but sometimes it's hidden. At those moments, that's bitachon. I know that he's there. I know that even though I can't see it now, it's my job. In the Sefer HaKuzari, the whole third chapter... The ma'alav, the chasid, is what? The person who's able to look around them and see chesed in everything. Because we're so showered with chesed. We're so, so blessed with chesed all around us. All around us. What does that mean? Chesed? I have a beautiful home. But I'm not going to just celebrate it in some material way. I'm going to say, no, there's a chanukah tabayit. I'm going to bring Torah into my home because that's Hashem. Because I know that every square inch of this is from Hashem. And everything I have for my children is from Hashem. And even when it's hard, it's from Hashem. And I'm able to see it. What is Va'ani Berov Chastechad? What is David saying here? He's in the middle of being chased by his father-in-law to kill him. His own son is trying to kill him for the kingdom. And what is he saying? Va'ani Berov Chastechad What Chesed Hashem? He sounds crazy. What is Va'ani Berov Chastechad? No, that's the Chasid. Can you look around you and see Chesed? in everything, because the more you search for it, the more you'll find it in everything you have. The more your eyes open and you see the world in a different light. The more positivity and light you see in the world. The more Hashem you see in your life. It's not only that I speak differently, and I think differently, and I function differently, and I teach my kids differently. People like to leave classes about children with strategies, with give me my top five, give me my, my magnet that I can put on my fridge, it's gonna remind me. We don't work that way. It doesn't. You want to know how to teach your kids? We got to look in the mirror. That's where it starts. It all starts there. It's not easy. Nobody wants to look in the mirror. Nobody has an easy job. Nobody's born in this world without any challenges. But that's midot. We want to give our kids. It starts with looking in the mirror. And there's a lot. There's a lot there. But we know that if we start with one thing, we take on. There's a midah. There's a midah. There happens to be shmita this year. What bitachon? 
לא פיתחון, במצווה ושמיטה. לא עלינו, you heard in Bar Bahar Bechukotai, what's the haftara there? It's Perak Yudzayin of Sefer Yirmiya. The whole Perak Yudzayin of Sefer Yirmiya is the lack of bitachon. We got punished for having a lack of bitachon. In Perkei Avot, we learn a whole list, Rashi lists for us, all the things that we got in Onish. Why did we get Galut? Why were we kicked out of Israel? One of the things, we didn't keep Shemitah. All the years we didn't, you were kicked out of the land, the same Shoresh. Why? Because you didn't keep Shemitah. You didn't rely on Hashem. I know it doesn't seem easy. I know it sounds illogical. It sounds against everything we're taught in this world, but it's a mitzvah in the Torah. But Hashem said so. You're going you're gonna to have the faith in Hashem? It's, it's, a, it's a challenge. It's not easy. I know it's hard, but I'm, I'm trained. I'm trained differently. My, we, have a, we have a joke. When we go to Israel in the summers, the, the rule is that I'm not allowed to go get the falafel. That's why I used that joke before, right? Because I once went out to get a falafel, and a half hour later, I came back without anything. <laughs> right? Because I couldn't figure it out. Like, I can't beat the seven-year-old gula girl who's just not going to let me get in front of her. Right? It's just not going to happen. But, but that's a challenge. It's a challenge, right? You have to be willing. That was, okay, so that was really easier for me, but, but there's, there's harder ones. Everybody knows when you look deep down inside yourself, you've got the ones that are hard. You've got the ones that speak. And you know what? When your kids look into your eyes, when they really look into your eyes, that's, you can almost see it. They're looking. They can't articulate. They can't. You're giving them who you are. You're giving them your midot. They see what our values are. They see what matters to us. They see what we're willing to sacrifice for. You want to know how to make a real impact on your children? Let them see what you sacrifice for. Let them see, oh, I woke up a little extra early in the morning so I could, I could go pray. They see you praying in whichever way, minyan, in the corner of the room, while I'm helping make lunches. Something, I did it. You know what, the, the Mishnah has a beautiful thing. It's a woman, she's late, she's got to go to work, she's got the kids to go out. There's a whole billion things to get out. She couldn't and what should she do? What's Allah? She should walk up to the mezuzah, put her hand on the mezuzah, and say one mishpat Hashem, one sentence Hashem. So the life, there's a life she has to, the halacha doesn't not recognize that life is crazy, that getting kids out to school is absurd. They knew about carpool many years ago, right? It's a challenge. So it says, wait, just stop for a second, stop by the mezuzah, and remember your bitachon b'ashem. And when your kid sees that you do that, you didn't teach them, you didn't sit them down and say, you've got to do this. No, that is going to make ten times more of an impression on your chinuch of them than anything you could ever tell them. Because in all the madness, we stopped and we said something to Hashem. They asked Rabbi Shlomo Karlobach's twin sister, how does he treat the poor people like that? Like, where does that come from, that a person could treat poor people like that? You know what she said? When we were kids, our Abba, whenever a poor person went out on the door, you know what he would do? I don't want to say what happens sometimes in our homes when you know that a poor person's knocking on the door. You know what he did? He went to the bathroom, and he had a special jacket on a hanger. And he put that jacket on. He went in front of the mirror, he took a brush, and he combed his beard. And he prepared himself to go bring in that poor person. That's how he brought every poor person. He was the rabbi of the community. Remember how many poor people came to his door? Every time a poor person came, he prepared himself that way. Now you understand how you can make a person who has a heart of gold for every poor person he sees. Did his father have to tell him one word about it? No. But did he see what his father did? Did he see how he treated him? What chesed? What kindness? What values? But I'm going to lose all my money. If I give that to every poor person that comes, what's going to be of me? What's going to be left? 
There's a mitzvah ma'aser, a tent. A tent of all my money, what's going to happen? Habitachon. These are the values. There's no bullet points, there's no magnets. This is the avodah. The avodah greater than any mitzvah. That's not to take away from the value of mitzvot. The biggest impression we can make on our children is we wake up in the morning, remind ourselves how we start our days, how they see us in the mornings, what we're doing, the manner in which we speak, the hardships, the reflections, how we speak to each other in front of the kids, how we speak to each other, how I think, how I dive, and everything, everything. Those are the hard things. Those are really the hard things in our day. But Bezrat Hashem, when we put that effort in, when we put our Yishtadut in, when we invest, Hashem pays back ten times more. Our kids will learn, they'll see our Midot, they'll learn from them, and Bezrat Hashem will see a tremendous amount of Racha, Batzlacha, Bepitachon. Mazal Tov again to the family, it's a pleasure. Racha, Batzlacha to everybody. Thank you.